إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So the last time then we were discussing the chapter regarding the names of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and in the previous narrations we had mentioned some of those names in the hadith of Jubair ibn Mut'im that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam had said inni ana Muhammad wa ana Ahmad وأنا الماحي الذي يمحو الله بالكفر وأنا الحاشر الذي حشر الناس وأنا العاقب الذي ليس بعدي نبي حديث وجزنا البخاري مسلم that I am Muhammad and Ahmad and الماحي and what did that name mean Al-Mahi We did this one last time What is Al-Mahi? The eraser And what does it mean? The one who erases what? The one who erased the kufar and shirk Because the Prophet wasallam was sent To erase kufar and shirk وَأَنَا الْحَاشِرِ the one who gathers the people. وَأَنَا الْعَاقِبَ What did الْعَاقِبَ mean? The last one. Meaning that there are no other prophets and messengers after him. And then there was the hadith of Abu Musa, Abdullah ibn Qais. قَالْ سَمَّا لَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ نفسه أسماء منها ما حفظنا فقال أنا محمد وأنا أحمد والمقفي ونبي التوبة ونبي الرحمة So in this hadith it mentioned Muhammad it mentioned Ahmad it mentioned al what did that one mean? <coughs> the last in succession, again indicating that there is no other prophet or messenger after him. The prophet of Tawbah, and that we mentioned. The Tawbah is open for the people to repent from their wrongs, to repent from their sins. To return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the door for repentance is open. So the Prophet of Tawbah and the Prophet of Rahmah, of Mercy. Then we got to this last one, وَفِي رِوَايَةِ وَنَبِيُّ الْمَلْحَمَةِ The Prophet of Al-Malhamah, what did that one mean? Battle, the prophet of battle. 
It is mentioned in an explanation. He is called the prophet of battle because he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, encountered his enemies in a way many of the previous prophets did not. The enemies of the Prophet ﷺ went from Mecca to Medina and amassed a force to battle with him. So he fought against his enemies in a way the previous <coughs> prophets did not. And his ummah went into battle in a way the previous nations did not. And the Muslims will continue to battle their enemies from the disbelievers until the day of judgment. And therefore the Prophet ﷺ was called the, battle, the Prophet of Battle. So that was Nabiul Malhama. Then we come to the next narration now. وَرَوَى جَابِرَ بْنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أنا أحمد and what was the meaning of أحمد the most praised the one who praises the most and then محمد the praised one وأنا الحاشر the one who gathers, وَأَنَا الْمَاحِي الَّذِي يَمْحُ اللَّهُ بِيَ الْكُفَرِ الْمَاحِي gets rid of the kufr. فَإِذَا كَانَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لِوَاءُ الْحَمْدِ مَعِي So when the day of judgment occurs, لِوَاءُ الْحَمْدِ The banner of praise will be with me. وَكُنْتُ إِمَامَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ And I am the Imam of all of the messengers, all of those that were sent. وَصَاحِبَ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ And I will be the one who does the shafa'a for all of them. Here again it's mentioned that he is the Imam of the messengers and the one who has been granted the intercession. We've spoken about this before in some of our previous studies, that on the Day of Judgment, <coughs> there are certain types of intercession that only the Prophet Muhammad will be able to do. Not even the other prophets and messengers. There are certain types of intercession that on that day, only the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be able to do. And that's why it says, وَصَاحِبَ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ That I am the one who will do their intercession. This narration, it is mentioned in At-Tabarani, Al-Mu'ajam Al-Kabir and Al-Awsat. Scholars do say there is some degree of weakness to this particular narration. But as you can see, most of the names, if not all of them, have been mentioned in other narrations too. So, that narration speaks about being given the flag or the banner of praise on the Day of Judgment. Also, 
that the Prophet ﷺ will be given the flag of praise in his hand and all of the creation of Allah the Exalted will be behind him. This is to honor the Prophet ﷺ. Adam and everyone else will be beneath the flag of the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment. And this is mentioned as another very specific honor for the Prophet ﷺ on that day. Then after that, it's mentioned some of the names that are for the Prophet ﷺ in the Qur'an itself. There are certain names that the Prophet ﷺ was given in the Qur'an itself. So for example in Surah Al-Baqarah Bashiran wa Nadhira Bashir and Nadhir And what do those two mean? Bashir, the bringer of glad tidings And Nadhir, the one who brings the warnings The bringer of glad tidings and the bringer of warnings. And that's clear. Glad tidings for those who obey him. And a warning for those who disobey him. Just like it mentions in the hadith. Kullu ummati yadkhuluna al-jannah. All of my ummah will enter paradise. Illa man aba, except for those who refuse. Qalu wa man ya'ba ya Rasulullah. They said, who would possibly refuse, O Messenger of Allah? Qala man ata'ani dakhala al-jannah. وَمَنْ عَصَانِي دَخَلَ النَّارِ Whomsoever obeys me enters paradise. And whomsoever disobeys me, then he has refused entry into paradise. So the Prophet ﷺ came with the glad tidings. The glad tidings for those who are righteous and pious and follow the guidance and obey for them the glad tidings of that guidance and that paradise in the afterlife. But he also came with the warnings for those who disobey. Those who disobey the Prophet ﷺ, then for them is the warning of disobedience, the warning of hellfire, for those who refuse to follow the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. So he came with the glad tidings and he came with the warnings. And that's why it mentions in a hadith as well, hadith of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, that everything which will bring us closer to paradise, the Prophet ﷺ has told us about it. All of that which will bring us closer to paradise, the Prophet ﷺ has informed us and told us about it. 
And all of that, which would take us to hellfire, the Prophet ﷺ has warned us against it. So he has guided us and told us of all of that goodness that would lead us to paradise. And he has warned us against all of that evil which would otherwise lead us to the hellfire. So it's mentioned in the Qur'an that Allah called him the Bashir and the Nadir, The one who brings the glad tidings and the one who brings the warnings. Then it's also mentioned in Surah At-Tawbah that he is Ra'uf. Ra'uf and Rahim, the kind and merciful. These are two names given to the Prophet ﷺ, or these are two uh, titles that he was called with. The fact that he was Ra'uf and Rahim, the kind and the merciful. And they are from the characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ, that he had that kindness and that mercy and that he wanted goodness for all of mankind, that he wanted guidance for all of the people. Even his own uncle, we know that story, the kafir, the mushrik, Abu Talib, all of his life upon his kufr and shirk. He aided and he helped the Prophet ﷺ, but he remained upon kufr and shirk. At the very last moment still, the Prophet ﷺ was still trying with him, still with that gentleness and kindness and mercy. Saying to his uncle, Ya Am, O oh my uncle, say La ilaha illallah. Telling his uncle with compassion and mercy and gentleness to accept Islam even in those final moments. There is the example of the young Jewish boy, Jewish boy, who used to come and help the Prophet ﷺ, used to aid and do chores for the Prophet ﷺ. And so when that young Jewish boy became ill, severely ill, and he was about to die, the Prophet ﷺ went to visit him. On his deathbed, the boy, the Prophet ﷺ went to visit him. And even at that moment, showed him that gentleness and mercy and compassion and desire for guidance. And told the boy, say, La ilaha illallah, accept Islam before dying. The boy was young, he was Jewish, his father was Jewish. So the boy instantly, the first thing, looked towards his Father, to see what the reaction would be, because here is the Prophet ﷺ now telling him to become Muslim and to abandon Judaism. So he looked towards his father, and his father said to him, Qasim." He said to him, "Obey Abul Qasim," meaning the Prophet ﷺ. 
So he did, and he accepted Islam, and so the Prophet said, All praise be due to Allah that he saved this boy via me. So that shows the mercy and the compassion of the Prophet and that desire to have guidance for this ummah. And there are many examples like that, stories and examples from the seerah of the Prophet showing his genuine desire for the guidance of the people, compassion for the people, mercy for the people. It's mentioned in the story about the woman who used to clean the mosque, that she disappeared. And the Prophet said, where where has she gone? The one who used to clean the mosque. They told her she died. He said, you should have should have told me. He should have told me then, so that he could have prayed the funeral, attended everything. So even that reaction from the Prophet for a woman, for a woman who used to just clean the mosque, just a woman who used to clean the mosque, he said, you should have told me. You should have told me about her and that she died. So you see the reaction and the behavior of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so here in the Quran it is mentioned he was Ra'uf and he was Rahim. He was the kind and he was the merciful. He is also described in the Quran as Rahmatan lil alameen. That he was a mercy to all that exists. He was a mercy to all that exists, to all of mankind. A mercy to all of mankind, given that revelation, guidance for all of mankind, guidance for the humans and for the jinn, al-thaqalain, the previous prophets and messengers used to be sent to who? To their specific nations. But the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent to all of mankind, all of the humans and the jinn, sent to everyone. Islam is not a religion that was restricted to the Quraysh. It is not a religion that was restricted to the people of Mecca, or to the people of Medina, or to the people of the Arabian Peninsula. A religion, rather, that was for all of mankind. A prophet sent to everyone as a guidance to everyone. So here it mentions as another one of his names or what he was called in the Quran, Rahmatan lil alameen, a mercy to all of that which exists. So that is the chapter regarding some of the names and the titles of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The name Ahmad, the name Ahmad, it is also mentioned that a group of people previously were told that a messenger by the name of Ahmad will come. Who was told that? They were told, Ahlul Kitab, they were told 
that there's going to be a messenger by the name of Ahmed who will come. And so indeed he came, Ahmed, Muhammad, from the names of the Prophet ﷺ. But when he came upon a description that they had been given, they refused to accept from their pride and their arrogance and from their affairs that prevented them from accepting. And they rejected that and they hid that information and that revelation and refused to accept the final messenger. The Jews, they wished that the final messenger would come from their own lineage. Yet he came from the other side, from the lineage of the Arabs, not from the lineage of Bani Israel. And so from their jealousy and envy at this affair, they refused to accept. And as for the Christians, then upon their ignorance as it is, trying to worship Allah without knowledge, and their refusal to accept the truth or understand the reality of the revelation that has come to them, misguided by all of the falsehood that was made up afterwards of the Trinity and all of those affairs. So, they are some of the names of the Prophet ﷺ. After that, then the next chapter is the chapter Faslu or Faslun Nash'atuhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bimakkah wa khurujuhu ma'a ammihi abi talib ila sham wa zawajuhu bi khadija This is now the chapter regarding the upbringing of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the upbringing of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Mecca, because we know, as we said before, he was born in Mecca. He was born in Mecca, and so he was raised in Mecca. So this chapter will mention a little bit about his upbringing in Mecca. And then also it talks about a trip that he made with his uncle Abu Talib to Sham. And also regarding his marriage to his first wife, who was Khadija radiyallahu anha. So in the chapter it says, وَنَشَأَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يَتِيمًا يَكْفُلُهُ جَدُّهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ وَبَعْدَهُ عَمُّهُ أَبُوْ طَالِبُ ابْنُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبُ this is something which we mentioned before, that the Prophet ﷺ, both his parents died whilst he was still very young. His father died upon the strongest opinion whilst he was still in the womb of his mother unborn. And then his father died, uh, his mother died then when he was Six, as it mentions in some of the narrations. So he was an orphan. He was an orphan. And an orphan, Islamically, it's somebody who... Lost his father. Who has lost his father. His father has died before the child has reached the age of... Puberty. A child whose father dies before reaching, before the child reaches the age of puberty, is an orphan, even if his mother is still alive. alive. 
Often the word orphan, people think it means both of your parents have died. But Islamically, if your father has passed away, before you reach the age of puberty, you are considered an orphan. But in this case, in fact, both of his parents actually passed away on top of that anyway too, when he was a young child. So he was an orphan. And we know that after his parents passed away, يَكْفُلُهُ جَدُّهُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبِ That his grandfather Abdul Muttalib looked after him. His grandfather Abdul Muttalib looked after him. وَبَعْدَهُ عَمُّهُ أَبُوْ طَالِبِ And then after that, his uncle Abu Talib. After that, it was his uncle Abu Talib. The son of Abdul Muttalib. And then Abdul Ghani al Maqdisi says, وَطَهَّرَهُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ مِنْ دَنَسِ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ وَمِنْ كُلِّ عَيْبَةِ وَمَنَحَهُ كُلَّ خُلُقٍ جَمِيلٍ حَتَّى لَمْ يَكُنْ يُعْرَفْ بَيْنَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا بِالْأَمِينَ لِمَا شَاهَدُوا مِنْ أَمَانَتِهِ وَصِدْقِ حَدِيثِهِ وَطَهَارَتِهِ It's mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified purified the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min danas al-jahiliyyah from the filth of pre-Islamic ignorance. The jahiliyyah, the pre-Islamic ignorance. And from every type of defect. The Prophet ﷺ, even before he became a Prophet, Allah had purified him from the filth of the pre-Islamic ignorance and the types of things they used to do. Allah purified him from all of that. And from every type of defect. وَمَنَحَهُ كُلَّ خُلُقٍ جَمِيلٍ And Allah bestowed him, favored him with noble character. Allah gave him nobility in character even before he became a prophet. To the extent that he was known amongst these people he was known amongst his people as Al-Amin, as the trustworthy one. He was known to be trustworthy. And they used to bear witness to his trustworthiness, his truthful speech, and his purity. All of that before he even became a prophet. All of that from his young age. That he was known to be different from the Quraysh when he was young and he was growing up. He was not like them in the types of things that they used to do. In drinking alcohol, in worshipping the idols, all of those things. He never engaged in those types of things. Allah purified him from the characteristics of Jahiliyyah. Purified him from the characteristics of those ignorant pre-Islamic practices, and to the extent he was recognized as a person of honor, even from those young days, recognized as a trustworthy one by the Quraysh, 
recognized as a person who can be trusted, as a person who has morality, truthful speech, and purity. So the upbringing of the Prophet ﷺ was pure, free from physical or any ideological defects, i.e. he wasn't upon shirk or any of that type of thing even before. Rather, in his essence, he was unaffected by any of those defects. And then, there is a point here regarding the ayah in the Qur'an, where Allah says, وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدَى That He found you unaware, and then He guided you. So what does that mean, that the Prophet was found unaware, and then He was guided? It means basically that prior to the revelation, obviously the Prophet ﷺ did not have details of how to worship Allah and Islam and all of the details were not given to him yet until the revelation came to him. So, the ayah that you were found unaware, i.e. pre-revelation. Pre-revelation, then you didn't know about that revelation and how to worship Allah in those ways. And then that knowledge was given to you. In other ayat it mentions, مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِمَ الْكِتَابُ وَلَا الْإِيمَانِ You did not know previously what the book is or what iman is until that revelation came and then the details were given to him. And also of course, zakat, fasting, all of those different aspects of worship, then hajj etc. would not have been known until that revelation then came to the Prophet wasallam. We know though, as we said before, that the Prophet ﷺ used to go to Ghari Hira, to the cave of Hira, to worship Allah. So how did he used to go there to worship Allah if we're saying he didn't know the details of those things until after the revelation came? As the Qur'an says, you were unaware until the revelation then came. So he used to go there and worship Allah upon the natural default that a person knows. Upon that natural uh, fitrah, upon the natural disposition as it is said, that natural disposition, he used to go there and ponder and reflect and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that general way. As for details of prayer, zakat, hajj, all of these specifics, they came when the revelation came. But prior to that, the natural disposition, your fitrah, then he used to go, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and remember Allah and ponder. And that was upon, or that was the, the meaning of him then going and worshipping Allah in those uh, early times prior to the revelation. Um, it's mentioned here, the hadith that you may have come across, hadith of Anas ibn Malik, أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أتاه جبريل صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو يلعب مع الغلمان. That on one occasion the Prophet ﷺ was playing with his playmates. He was young, playing with his playmates, and جبريل came and took him. فأخذه فصرعه، and he took him and laid him down on the ground. 
And then he opened up his chest. And he took out his heart. فَاسْتَخْرَجَ مِنْهُ عَلَقَهُ And he extracted a blood clot from it. فَقَالَ هَذَا حَظُّ الشَّيْطَانِ مِنْكَ And he said, this is the part of the shaytan in you, the portion the shaytan had in you, taken out. Then, ثُمَّ غَسَلَهُ فِي طَسْطٍ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ بِمَاءِ زَمْزَمْ Then he washed it. With zamzam water in a golden basin. Thumma Then it was put back together and restored in its place. The boys came running to his mother, to his nursing mother. We mentioned there were two at the time. Came to his nursing mother and they said, uh, they came and they said Muhammad has been killed Jibreel came and opened up his chest they said Muhammad has been killed they all rushed towards him and found his color had changed said he said, I saw myself the marks of the needle on his chest. Where he had been opened up, the, ch- the heart had been taken out, that portion of the shaitan, the influence or the impact of the shaitan removed, heart purified and replaced. Anna said, I saw the marks of the needle upon his chest myself. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the affairs of jahiliyyah and from every defect and gave him all of the good mannerisms until even in those days before prophethood he was known as the trustworthy one and the people testified to him being the trustworthy one and the one of upright speech and the one upon purity. Then it mentions, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَثْنَيْ عَشْرَ سَنَةً When he was 12 years old, that's when this story happens about him going out with his uncle, Abu Talib, to Sham. But that story, inshaAllah ta'ala, then will begin with next week. was slightly delayed today. So inshallah ta'ala, the story of when he was 12 years old and he went out with his uncle to Sham, that's the story inshallah will begin with next time. And that will be back to the usual time, 7 p.m. inshallah ta'ala from next week.